we had last night, not here, a little bit, a little bit different, but at the Schottenstein Center, we, there was Winter Jam. Now, how, who's heard of Winter Jam before? Okay, most. It's a massive concert. Uh, they have normally 10,000, 12,000 people there. It's a Christian concert, 10-ish bands that come. And it was fun. I love worship. So go from Friday night to Saturday night to Sunday morning. And Winter Jam is pretty crazy because they've got all the genres of music. I mean, from like rap to skillet. Anybody, any skillet people? Quick hand there. I like it. It's like, come on, let's go skillet. Um, skillet is like hard I don't know. I don't even know what it is. They, they yell a lot and stuff, and it's, it's very, very good. The most important thing about Skillet to me is I just stand there and, and admire the lighting and the fire, and then they go from fire to, like, sparks, things coming out of spinning wheels, and then the lead singer, like, gets these things on and turns into, I don't know, like, the Terminator, and he's shooting smoke into the crowd, like, while he's, I don't even know, how he's, he's holding his microphone, like shooting it, it was, it's very cool. I don't like the music at all. That's not my jam. But the production, awesome. Love it. Uh, worship. But my favorite band, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. This probably means I'm not cool or something. But uh, that, I already knew that, I suppose. So it's okay. But is New Song. Who's heard of New Song in the room? Oh, about half, a third of those that have heard of Skillet. But that's okay. New Song is this group of guys um, I have no clue how old they are, but they're not young. We'll go with that. And they sing like country-ish Christian worship, basically. It's awesome. Like, I don't ever listen to country worship, but that's what they do, and I love it. And every year they sing this song called Arise. Now, Arise is my favorite throughout the years at, at uh, Winter Jam. They've done crazy stuff, curtains falling from the sky, and no matter what, they can just straight sing, and they sing it. And my favorite thing for many years is that song, it still is, at Winter Jam. And for a long time, I mean a long time, I sang to the top of my lungs, and there's this one part that I still hear it as no Morgan Sting. And I don't know what that is. I still don't know what that is. Um, but I sang it as loud as I possibly could. And then a few years ago, I was like, I wonder what that is. So did a little research. That's not what they're singing. Not at all. They are singing No More Deaths Sting, which makes a whole lot more sense in the song. Like a whole lot more sense in the song. But I sang it passionately. And I think God, like he knew my heart and it was good. So that was, you know, Winter Jam. Uh, every year I'm like... I still hear it as Morgenstein. I just don't sing it that way anymore because I know, know it's right now, and that would be really silly at this point, then too. But, uh, but last night, there was this interesting thing that happened, and I've said this before. I don't know why, but I love going. I love watching the production. I love watching it. And Colton Dixon, how many have heard of Colton Dixon? American Idol. Wow. Like the same as New Song. Colton Dixon would be hurt by all of you and your lack of knowing him. But he was the second to last guy that sang last night. And uh, let's just say that from the very beginning, he walked out on the stage, starts singing, and his microphone is in, out, in, out, in, out, like not supposed to, more out than in. And it was like, <clears throat> so the band, they're playing, they're doing their thing. And he walks over to the side of the stage, holds his hand out until someone came and grabbed the microphone. And then he just stood there until someone brought him a new microphone. It was really funny. And it took literally 
the whole song. So like two and a half, three and a half minutes. So he gets the mic, comes back out for song number two, and he starts to sing, and the mic does the same thing. You're hearing the click track, which you're not supposed to hear the click track out there. They hear the click track in their ears. That's all in the place. There's hums going on. He walks back off. The whole band walks off the stage, like comes over. They turn on some music. They're all standing over there trying to fix whatever because they couldn't hear. I mean, it was just a train wreck that poor Colton Dixon's like, I don't know what to do, right? It was crazy. So finally, it had to be at least another five minutes. It was that whole song that was playing, a uh, worship song. The place was having fun with it. He finally comes back out. The band comes back out. And I thought that they would start over, right? Wouldn't that, I mean, that kind of makes sense. They just start over. No, they started basically, it felt like in the middle of a song. And then at the end of that song, he says, well, that's all the time I've got. We're going to do like basically an outro. They played a little thing and then he walked off. He was on the stage for maybe five minutes, maybe, like including the little times he came out. It was like that did not go how Colton Dixon was planning on it going, nor the Winter Jam production crew, which was where the problem lies. He was super nice, super gracious. It was just, it didn't quite go how it was supposed to go. Uh, Maybe you've been in a position in your life where you were doing what you're supposed to do. Colton Dixon walked out on the stage. He had his mic. They said it would work. It didn't work, right? Maybe you've been in a place where you were living your life. You're like, I'm just trying to do my thing. I'm just trying to make it happen. I'm just trying to uh, do what God has called me to do. I'm just trying to be a parent. I'm just trying to be maybe a child. I'm just trying to be a grandpa. I'm just trying to live my life the best way that I can. And sometimes it just doesn't go how we want it to go. Sometimes it's like Colin Dixon that I think he was really glad to get off the stage after his two and a half minutes of singing. Like, Lord, I'm so thankful that I'm done with that, that season or that moment or that time. And when we're, we're right in the middle of uh, Genesis 37 and looking at the life of Joseph, and when I think of Joseph, I actually think of the end part of Joseph and his story when he's like second command in Egypt, when he's got all the power. He's got all the authority, all the control. Everybody comes to him for food. Everybody comes to him for survival. He is doing amazing things. But the problem with the story of Joseph is there's a whole bunch of other chapters that are not that. They are chapter 37, 39, following where everything seems to go the opposite. In fact, last week we looked and we saw that Joseph, uh, he was willing to kind of tell his, his dad what was going on in some life, a family member's lives. He was willing to hear a dream from the Lord. And although it takes a little, a little bit of guts, he was willing to go and tell his brothers, hey, I had this dream. And basically, it's pretty clear, you're all going to bow down and worship me. I'm not sure if that is the best method. Maybe he could have done it a different way. But God gave him a word and he was willing to speak the word. And I think it was probably actually what God had for him to do. Then he's like, I'll double down. God gave me another word. And not only are my 11 brothers going to bow down, but also my mom and dad. In their culture, that's not how it worked. That would not be taken well. Nobody took it well at all. Right? And so it ends the chapter with the brothers hating him, being jealous of him, and the father reprimanding him, but also being willing to say, basically, I'll keep it in mind. Never know what God might do. But they're, they're in a, a tough spot if you're Joseph. There's nobody that wants to be in that spot. And that is only the beginning because now the story is really about to get interesting. 
if you like pain and suffering, then this is perfect. This chapter is great. You'll love it. Uh, in fact, I was thinking before, I'm like, I hope nobody has experienced like this level of craziness. But as you begin to think, our own levels of walking through things, of struggle, of pain, of, of situations, we're not like, oh yeah, I'm going to compare it with him. No, in our life, whatever you're walking through, whatever you've walked through, whatever will be walked through, that's all, that's it. That's what you see. That's what you know. We all walk through similar things in our own environment, in our own way. And the question is, what do we do when life just doesn't treat us how we think it should? Or even how the dream God gave us, it doesn't seem possible. And so we're going to look here. Remember, the dreams were just there right before we don't know if it's a few days. It had to be at least some period of time because now the brothers we're going to see are out tending the pastures in Shechem. They're, they're a little ways, so it's been at least, I'm guessing, a few days or a few weeks, but it could have been longer. And we are in this spot. Exodus, or Genesis sorry, 37 verses 12. We'll start in 12 through 14. It says, Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flocks near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he, Joseph, said to him, here I am. So he said to him, go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and he came to Shechem. Now, first of all, Shechem is not a place of any great interest. But in their family, in their situation, Shechem seemed to be a place where they didn't quite do what they should have done. Where there was compromise in their family. So it's interesting that this is the place that, that he is sent it's also interesting if you're me, his brothers hate him, his brothers are jealous of him, and his dad says, hey, why don't you go down and check on how your brothers are doing? If I'm Joseph, the one with the coat of many colors, the one that, the long coat basically, the one that is saying, I'm going to give him my inheritance, which also is not what you did in their day, saying he's my favorite, sending the boy to the other 11 sons that doesn't seem like a good thing. And if you're Joseph, I don't think there's any way that you don't understand that there's some, at least uneasiness that's going to come from this situation. There's no way that he's like, oh yeah, this will be great. Let's go do it. They're going to welcome me and you know, they're going to lift me up like Skillet. Uh, last night concert, they had these things that they wheeled around. It looked like they were like kings being wheeled around and held up in the air. Like, I think he knew that that was not the reception that was about to come his way. But he said... Here I am. When we think of this compatibility with the kingdom, today we're going to look at faithfulness, and specifically faithfulness to start, the faithfulness to the assignment. Joseph was given this word. He was given this assignment to go. And no matter what it looked like, no matter what it felt like, no matter the danger that may or may not be present, here I am. It's a word that I pray that in our lives that we begin or we understand or maybe we get more because I think until we're with Jesus in heaven, we're all on a growth. We're, we better be on a growth path to say, Lord, I just want to say here I am. I say a lot. One more yes. I just want to say one more yes. When you call, I want to say yes. Here I am. Lord, I'm in. Whatever it is. I'm in. If my father, my heavenly father asks me to go somewhere or do something that I'm like, Ugh. 
that, that's not as comfortable as it is with my father, Jacob, back home. It's way easier there. Why don't I stay home? Can we send somebody else? But when it comes to the Lord, I pray that my heart is one of a simple yes. Here I am. That faithfulness to the assignment is many times just getting up and going and doing it. It's trusting the one who's sending. It's trusting our heavenly father to say, Lord, this seems tough, but I will go. I will do it. Trust is not understanding the why, but being willing to step up to the here I am. So Lord, I don't have to know. I don't have to get it. If you speak clearly through your word first, if it's in your word, I'm going to live by the principles, the word. I'm going to let them change my life. Lord, if you give me a dream, Lord, I'm going to believe what you've called me to. If you give me a word, I'm going to believe what you've called me to. I'm going to do what you've called me to above what seems easy or what I would do naturally. Lord, what do you have to say? And Joseph, he had faithfulness to carry out the assignment. But when we think of assignment and we think, okay, God for us, here, Jacob, your father's sending you, you'd like to think that those things turn into super easy moments. Like, oh yeah, dad knows what he's saying. It's going to be easy. All's going to be all right. Uh, that is not what we see here in this story. As we continue to read and we continue to move along, uh, we find out that it's maybe going to be a little bit more difficult than that. In fact, in verse 18, it says, they saw him from afar and before he came near to them, they made him a nice meal. Good roast, like chicken, medium rare, not chicken, that would be disgusting, but just, no, oh, no, oh, that's not, that's not what it says. They conspired against him to kill him before he even comes. I'm going to say that their feelings towards Joseph were pretty fresh. They still had evil in their heart. They were still jealous. And in fact, it could have been just a few days or a week or two weeks, who knows, before. They're like, you remember those dreams of Joseph? What better opportunity than right now to just be sure there's none of that dream stuff happening ever again? There's no way it's going to take place. Because we'll kill him, and it's difficult to bow down to someone that's dead. Right? Like, like you can just feel the story coming. They're like, this is our moment. This is what they had in their heart. This is what they wanted to do. So the faithfulness of Joseph, to his assignment, had to lead to faithfulness while on this journey, that it wasn't just something like, oh yeah, I'll say yes, but now I've got to walk through what God has called me to do. And there's times when we have to take steps and we've got to move, and it might feel like everyone is conspiring against us. It might feel like in certain moments or situations, or in, maybe it's more inside, that all of a sudden we realize that everybody's not cheering me on as I do what my father tells me to do. There's something about this story that just is so vivid and real. They wanted to kill him. In verse 22, it goes on, and Reuben said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him. Now, I love this line. A little line, and then it says, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. Reuben, the great man of faith and power and obedience, is like, well, let's just throw him in a pit, and then later on I'll come back and rescue him. It'll be fine. Have you ever maybe had someone in your life that they kind of had your back? Like everybody else might have been talking bad about you or the situation, or 
And they, they, were, they weren't like agreeing, but they weren't disagreeing. It was like, well, let's just throw them in a pit. I'll come later on when it's easier. When they're, the other 10, they're not like, wow, you know, I'll come back later and help out and I'll show kindness. There's times when this conspiracy, that, that what people feel or what people say, it's difficult. It's hard. It's like, Lord, why? Why am I walking through this when I just have been obedient? I've said your word. I've given your dreams. I'm doing what my father would tell me. And there's times when we still find ourselves in a place where, oh yeah, thank you for saving me. Now I'm in a pit. It points out that there's no water. Uh, I, I'm not sure if that was good because he wouldn't drown or if that's bad because he has no water so he'd die in the desert really fast. But either way, it's not good. This is a bad situation. This is not where he wants to be. But would he have faithfulness to continue the journey? Would he have faithfulness to go where God had called him to go? But even as we continue, verse 23, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. I'm, I'm guessing the brothers loved that moment, like evil. They have, that was highlight. Like, yeah, we're taking this off of you. And it had to be the exact same for Joseph, except on the other side. No, this is, this is my special thing. This is for my father. This is what he's given me. They took him and threw him into the pit, the pit that was empty, where there was no water. And church, there's moments of our life where we have to realize that just like Joseph was given a coat by his dad, we are given a calling by our heavenly father. We're given the, the word. We're given what we are. We're given who we are. It's not what someone else calls us. It's not what someone else does to us. It's not the situations of my life. But what has God spoken to me? What has he clothed me in? His righteousness when we don't feel good enough. It's not your righteousness or your, your holiness that does anything. It's him that's clothed you. And then no one can take off what you've been given. No one can take off the words of God for your life, but we can so easily, so easily hear and see and feel and experience things that cause us to doubt what God is doing, that cause us to stay faithful to who he is, that cause us to, to just wane from where he would have us be and from his presence. Can we have faithfulness for the journey? I would like to say that that's it. He's in the pit, Reuben comes back, gets him out. That would be pretty good. Like that would be, that'd be traumatic, but alive. Uh, but it goes on, and in verse 26 we see that then it says, Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Good, good man of faith and power thinking about money in a moment when his brother's in a pit, right? So, good. Come let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. They wanted to kill him. They chose not to. That was good. They threw him in the pit. It didn't seem very good. Now he's taken out of the pit. Just can you... Put yourself in his position. He's sold. He knows that's not good. Like, he is now a slave. He's on his way to Egypt. He knows he's going to be sold again. He, he knows this is not a good situation in any way. In fact, if you think about the dreams that could have only been a couple days or weeks before, who knows? Could have been a little bit longer. 
Lord, you, you gave me a dream. I did what I felt I was supposed to do. And now I've been, they wanted to kill me. They put me in a pit. Now I'm sold. I'm a slave. Now, it, it, you don't like get out of that. You're a slave. Like for, you would plan for the rest of your life. That's what you're going to be. People conspire. You, maybe you feel traded away. Maybe you feel like the one Judah who should have stood up for you. Uh, no, he didn't. He was worried about money. And we might as well make a coin while we're getting rid of our brother. Then you jump down to verse 29 and you continue to see the hopelessness of the situation. What it happens when the journey seems just simply against you? What happens when it feels like you're traded away? What happens when all hope seems to be gone? 29 goes on and says, When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone and I... Where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father. Can I just, what a terrible way to tell your dad, which they're lying. I mean, it's all a lie, but to tell your dad that his favorite, they all knew this was going to kill him, that it was not going to be good, to take the robe that you had, just, whoo, these guys, they're something. Identify whether it's your son's robe or not. And he identified it and said, it's my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for, mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, no, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning that this father wept for him. The hopelessness of his father, of the realization to what he knows that his son is dead. The, the hopelessness of that feeling. I go back to Joseph. And can you imagine being Joseph? Can you imagine maybe they had like some little cage that, on a trailer? Or maybe he's tied up. We watched the new Star Wars, the book of Boba Fett, and being pulled in the desert. Right? Like maybe it's that way. I, who knows how he was taken? Can you imagine that journey? My family, my comfort, my friends, my prosperity, what everything that it felt like he had is gone. The hopelessness, the hopelessness of the moment. And maybe you've been someone that you are walking through or you have walked through or maybe, and I pray not, but maybe one of us will walk through something in the future. What do we do when it feels hopeless? What do we do when faithfulness is the farthest thing from our natural thought? Instead, it's, I just want to get out of the situation. I want to run. What do we do when all hope is gone? What do we do when now even people, they're at least my family members, not even them are around? What do we do? I believe that Joseph, he pushed through questions, I would assume, like, does God care or have I been abandoned? I don't know if anybody else in the room has ever been in a spot, just being honest, where you're like, I don't get it. Maybe you've asked the Lord, why, why, what is the situation? What, what is going on? I believe that he had to push through, maybe on that journey, maybe as he was then sold in the future, maybe as later on he was put in jail because of false accusations, maybe later on as everything just didn't seem to happen, Lord, why would this happen? What is going on? 
But Joseph was a man that understood that you just keep serving, you just keep going, you just keep walking in faithfulness. Because when you push through, you can show your faithfulness. And when you show your faithfulness, I believe God will use you and do something special in your life. He'll move in your life. He'll use the past that seems so painful and so hurtful to bring life and hope and healing to people in the future. But it takes faithfulness. It takes faithfulness. The word, I would say, the, uh, that we, those who are faithful to the end, right? They're going to be saved. Those who make it, those who remain true. And it's easy when it's easy, like, yeah. But what do we do when everything has fallen apart? Can we walk in the faithfulness that we need? Because we're going to see this story. God did not leave him. God did not forsake him. God remained faithful. Just the path of where he needed to go required something none of us want to walk through. God didn't bail on him. In fact, the next time that we see here uh, in, in chapter 39... I love these words. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down. Notice what it says. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. And notice verse 3. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. If you're Joseph, I can't imagine that you feel like, yes, God has just showered blessing. Yes, the Lord has just poured himself into me, and I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. The people in Egypt could see what God was doing and that God's hand was on him. But I bet you there were moments where he saw failure, abandonment, his family hated him. They sold him. They got rid of him. Like, how do you work through the emotions of what this is to be able to stand on the other side and to have the people around you still see that the Lord shines on you? And they would say he's faithful. He's blessed. Everything he touches is blessed, even though it seemed like his world was turned upside down. Faithfulness to what God has leads you to a place where later on, you get to see, and you get to see his faithfulness back to you. It's so important. If we quit, if we don't push on, if he gave up, if he decided I don't care, then guess what? The rest of this, eh, not a good story. It's not in the Bible, right? I mean, you're not going to see it. But he was faithful to God to realize his purpose. He was faithful to what God had. And sometimes... We may not understand the purpose of God. We may not understand what he's doing. But when we're faithful and we keep walking, many times we get to find out on the earth, like when we're still alive. And I'll tell you what, if I have to wait until I get to heaven to understand what God's doing, my prayer is that Pastor Chris, Chris Gross, this kid, I'm going to be faithful to God because I know him. I know the power of who he is. And no matter what happens to me, no matter what happens in my world, I'm going to trust the God of the universe. Last night, the lead singer of Skillet, he was straight preaching, like screaming the songs, couldn't understand what he's saying, and then straight preaching. It was awesome. He talked about what happens if this is the year that Christians in America are persecuted. What happens if Christians are put in jail? What happens if, like all this list of stuff. 
And then he went through the whole list. Then there's going to be a bunch of spirit-filled, crazy people in jail that are talking about Jesus and have the joy of the Holy Ghost in them. I'm like, come on, church, when we're faithful to God, no matter what we go through, it's a mission field. It's one more person. How do I share the goodness of God with one more person, no matter where I am? And I'll tell you what, I would prefer, if I can say it, not to have persecution. Probably you're all with me. Like, I'm not asking for persecution, but Lord... I don't want to walk in safety. I don't want to walk in my own bubble. If what you need me to do, like Joseph, is to walk through what seems like the worst possible thing, simply be faithful. The Lord has something, a plan for you. He's got a plan for you. In fact, if you look at Joseph, we're going to just like look through his whole story. If Joseph's brothers never sold him to the Midianites, then Joseph never goes to Egypt. If he never went to Egypt, he's not sold to Potiphar. If he's not sold to Potiphar, then Potiphar's wife never falsely accuses him of rape. If Potiphar's wife never does that, then he is never put in prison. If he's not put in prison, he never meets the baker or the butler. If he never meets them, he never interprets their dreams. If he doesn't interpret the dreams, he never gets to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. If he doesn't interpret Pharaoh's dreams, he's not made the prime minister of all of Egypt. If he's not there, he never wisely administrates for the severe famine coming upon the region. If he doesn't administrate the famine and the food, then his family back home in Canaan can't come to Egypt to get food, and they would all die. If his family back in Canaan perishes from the famine... The Messiah can't come from a line of dead people. If the Messiah can't come, then Jesus never came to save us. If he didn't come, you're dead in your sins and your trespass, and there's no hope. But Joseph was faithful every step of the way. He battled through the situations, and the people around him kept saying, He's blessed. He's blessed. He's blessed. Winds up in jail because of false accusations. What, he's put in charge of the jail because he's blessed. He's faithful. Today, if you're here, I believe with all my heart, there's a couple, a few, maybe some online, that you'd say, today, I feel hopeless. I feel like one of those things. Not actually in a cage, not actually in a pit, but you feel wounded. You feel rejected. You feel like people have turned their backs on you. You feel like they've conspired against you, tried to kill you. You feel like all hope is gone. And I want you to know that when you're faithful to God, when you're faithful to realize his purpose, when you're faithful to keep saying yes to him, even though it might not make sense in the moment, when you're faithful, faithful, faithful someday in your own life, in your own situation, I believe, just like Joseph, people are going to find Jesus. They're going to be saved. They're going to come to know of a God that if we weren't willing, if we weren't all in, if you weren't willing to just be faithful, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't happen because your faithfulness leads you to your purpose. It leads you to where he's called you to be. And if you feel like it's difficult today, if this is, if this is hard because you're like, I'm, not, I'm uncomfortable because I feel like that. The Lord, I believe, speaks to you. I'm with you. I've never left you. I've never abandoned you. Might feel like it, but I'm here. Reach out to me and watch as the God of the universe, watch as he speaks and moves and shows himself to you. Watch 
as our creator and our Lord down the line reveals to you, oh my goodness, I was with you. I've got you. I love you. And I'm believing for your family member that doesn't know the Lord, that your faithfulness, your faithfulness, the word doesn't return void. Your faithfulness, they're going to come to know Jesus. I'm believing someone at your work, your faithfulness, you've been praying, they're going to come to know Jesus. I'm believing, I, when I pray, I pray for crazy things. I pray that the person you would call your worst enemy, that God gives them a, uh, uses a burden for them and you pray for them and that person that annoys you, that has hurt you, that has wounded you, I pray that someday you're going to watch them come into the relationship with Jesus. Because that's what Jesus would do. When you're faithful, when you're faithful, not, not to the hurt, ah, it stinks. We want to be there to walk with you. But faithful to God, someday we're going to say it was worth it. I think Joseph, if he could go to the end, if we could ask, I think he'd be like, it was hard, but it was worth it. He that endures to the end will be saved. Stand true to your God. And if you're struggling in your spiritual walk, if you feel like you're lost, you feel like you don't know what to do, today is the day to once again commit, Lord, I'm in. I'm in it to the end. I will be faithful. I will stand on your word. You came, you died for me, and I'm, I'll go if that's what it took. I'll die for you. I'll give up my own ideas, my own thoughts. I'll lay them down and say, Jesus, I trust you. I honor you. I'll be faithful to you. Because church, I can guarantee he'll be faithful. He'll be faithful. Don't give up. Don't give in. Hold on to Jesus. In fact, today, before we close, if you've never given your life to Jesus, or I, I really strongly feel today that maybe, maybe you've given your life to Jesus, but you're not living in a place where you could say, if you're being real, yeah, I've been faithful. Maybe you're, you're on the outside and you're like, ah, I'm struggling and I've not really been in the word. I'm not spending, been spending time with Jesus. I, I've just been doing it. Try to come to church. I want you to know church is not, it's not the answer. It's not how you get to heaven. We want you to come, please come, but it's, it's where we get together. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves, but your relationship with Jesus is personal. It's what you do all week long. And if you're here and maybe you've been a part of this church or the church for a long time, but you're not walking with him today, I would invite you to commit yourself to Jesus. Ask one more time for forgiveness. Ask one more time for him to speak to you. Ask one more time and commit, Lord, I'm going to follow you. When it's easy, praise the Lord. But when it's hard, I'm there just the same. He loves you. This morning, if we all maybe could bow our heads, close our eyes not some ritual thing, but just to be able to focus on God. Maybe every one of us in this room in your own way, you can just begin to ask the Lord in your own way. Maybe what he's speaking, you can begin to pray. But if you've never given your life to Jesus or this morning, maybe you say, I've given my life, but I'm far and I want to come back into the family. I want him to once again walk with me. And I feel, I feel distance and I don't want there to be distance. Think of Colton Dixon when he kept coming out, finally it kind of worked. His light still didn't work. Some other stuff didn't work right. But he was faithful to come out, and he had a good attitude. He didn't make dumb comments. Lord, help me to be faithful. And in fact, I mentioned that story 
of me singing Morgenstein instead of no more death sting. And there's times in our life where we just carry on with God. We say yes to God. We keep singing and we might not even feel like we have the right words or we've got the right method or whatever it is. And I want to encourage you when we say yes to him and we keep moving, then he will begin to reveal to you what you can handle in the moment you can handle it. And all of a sudden you'll realize the words to what he's saying, the reason to what he's saying. And you'll be like, oh, praise God. You were with me. No more death sting today is what it's all about. When we come to him, the sting of death, pain, suffering, it's gone because one day I'm going to be, we're all going to be, if we know Jesus, we're going to be in heaven. And we're going to pray together. But before I do, if you've never given your life to Jesus or you want to come back to him, I'm going to count to three in just a moment. And when I hit three, I'm going to invite you just to raise your hand. And our volunteers are going to come. They're going to give you a life book, the book of John, to help you on that journey. And I would encourage you to come talk to me. I would love to know what God is doing in your life. There's nothing better than knowing that the God of the universe is here. There's no more death's sting when we come to him. When we give him ourselves. So right now, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to recommit yourself to him. One, two, three. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Our volunteers are going to walk up through the aisles. Nothing better than saying yes to Jesus. Just wave at them. They'll, they will hand you a book as they come by. And uh, that's what we're all about here. Yes. That's what we're all about. It's one more person coming to know Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. If we could, as a church family this morning, if we could just close in prayer, if you would repeat after me together that we would close this time out. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I love you and I thank you that you are faithful, that you are with me in the good times and in the bad. When I can see you or even when you feel far away, you're there. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I repent of my past, of the things I've done to hurt myself or others. Lord, I make you Lord of my life. Everything. And Lord Jesus, would you help me be faithful to the assignment that you've given to carry on in the journey so we can realize your purpose. You are so good. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, there's nothing better than that. Those that just gave their life to the Lord, come on. There's nothing better. So glad you are all here with us. God has big things for you, and I believe for Radiant Life Church. The faithfulness of people like Pastor Dave and Kay right up here. Uh, that They started this church 41 years ago. Come on. Absolutely. When we are faithful, God does things that blow us away. And I believe Radiant Life Church is in a moment where we're walking, we're moving, we're going to continue to say yes, and he's about to do something so exciting. Just like this last year, uh, new campus and marriage, all of the things he wants to do more in you, through you, through this church, to reach Dublin, the surrounding areas, he's good.
Love you all. Thank you for being here. Let's be faithful and watch what God does. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. Have a good one.